Fireworks in the courtroom, everyone. It is getting wild. We are getting reports right now. Apparently, the judge has told the former president of the United States, hey, guess what? Donald Trump, you can forfeit your trial. <laughs> Wouldn't they love that? Oh, my gosh. Wow. All right, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's going on over at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. You know, I told you just the other day, right, that Jamie Dimon who's the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, might have been onto something there by saying, hey, you know, MAGA policies, they weren't all that bad. Donald Trump had a lot of really good ideas. You can understand why half the country voted for him. He doubled down on it over at Davos of all places. Oh, gosh, Jamie, careful, careful. They're going to come after you. Watch, watch yourself, watch your back. We're going to talk about Davos. They get some crazy ideas that well, you just have to see them to understand just how crazy they really are. And here we are marching towards New Hampshire. I'm telling you, New Hampshire, Trump's going to take it. I mean, I know some people are like, well, you know, Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. I'm sorry, Nikki, it's not going to happen. Like, it's just not Donald Trump. Barring some unforeseen circumstance, he will be the nominee for the Republican Party in 2024. And if we continue at this rate, I suspect he's going straight back to Pennsylvania Avenue. My prediction, I'm out on a limb. I don't always do that, but you know what? This one actually feels that obvious. Kind of like it did back in, oh, I don't know, 2016. People thought I was crazy back then, but I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Are you feeling it? I mean, look, people people want change. We got to talk about all that change. Uh, it's affecting some companies that try to go too woke, Hertz being the latest example, Tom Brady's out of a job. Tom Brady, what, what are you going to do? He's losing some multi-million dollar contact, tra- contract, it seems, although if he has a good agent, maybe not. Hertz is getting out of the EV business. We'll talk about that. And ladies and gentlemen, there is a new Miss America. And yes, she's all woman. <laughs> she's all that and a fighter pilot. Welcome to the show. I am Trish Regan. We're brought to you, as always, by our wonderful friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. 1-866-589-0560. That's their number. And you know what? I encourage you to call them. If you're interested in diversifying in light of all this inflation we got going on, these are the folks to call. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But first, let's get to the headlines. Breaking news today. It's getting wild. Isn't that a song? (laughs) So Donald Trump back in court today. I mean, like he's in court every other day or he's campaigning, right? Like one or the other. You want to talk about a fast-paced schedule. The Democrats have assured the world that Donald Trump will continue to dominate the headlines because he's in court every other day. This is for the Gene Carroll thing. So Gene Carroll is the woman. You know, the the, the accusations were kind of, I think I can fairly say legally a little bit sketchy, but nonetheless, they're, they're pretty strong sexual assault allegations. And she did actually win a defamation lawsuit against him. Now she's, now she's back around two, right? There's another defamation lawsuit. So they're back in trial because, hey, who can't resist taking Donald Trump to court any given day of the week? <laughs> I was like deja vu, right? Didn't we just do this the other day? Didn't he just unload on the judge the other day? And say, hey, you don't want to hear anything. I mean, it was just the whole thing that we were just talking about. And here we are back again. Different court case, different judge. But Donald Trump 
kind of let everyone have it. He was getting annoyed, you see, by some of the comments that she was making, I, I guess, during her testimony. Let me quote from this New York Times article, which just came out, because the judge is now threatening Donald Trump. He, he's threatening him with a forfeited trial. Well, wouldn't that be something? I, I mean, he might as well just march to the White House right now. I mean, I, I realize the Democrats have this whole theory that somehow if they can trip him up in all these court cases, that somehow that'll do it. That'll actually mean, that will actually mean that they got him, right? Some, I mean, I'm telling you, though, it's not going to matter because even if he's in jail, that's what the Iowa exit poll proved. Even if he is, is convicted of a crime, the majority of Republicans are still voting for him. So there you go. There you have it. I think the strategy is backfiring. But anyway, she said some things, and she, I guess described in a bit of detail, according to the New York Times article, what apparently she alleges happened. And she said, you know, she was effectively attacked all over again on social media. And so she's blaming him for that. And he got a little ornery over that, I guess, and started huffing and puffing and sighing and you know, it's just saying, well, this isn't true, this, that, and the other. And the judge got really mad. The judge is like, okay, you want to play that game? Well, you can forfeit your trial. And I'm just saying, like, okay, you start throwing words around like that, like you're going to have him forfeit his trial. I mean, everybody already feels like the guy's not getting a fair shake to begin with. And now you're just going to say, okay, you owe her $10 million. That's what the lawsuit. I mean, this is starting to add up, right? It's starting into real money, ladies and gentlemen, because you get – you get that case from uh, Leticia there who is charging, what, 370, she wants $370 million. It was originally like 250 and now, hey, why not just add another $120 million? Nobody can do math anyway, except for the guy who maybe has to pay it. <laughs> I mean, wow. And now, Jim Carroll, $10 million because, well, he, he's not supposed to say anything about her. You know, look, it's hard. How, how are you supposed to defend yourself in this kind of environment when you're a public person and people come out and they attack you and you can't attack back because if you attack back, then that's actually a violation of, I guess, the defamation lawsuit that had been already settled. And so that's why he's back in court. I mean, plus the fact that the Democrats are bankrolling her. You see, she's being bankrolled or her case or her legal team is being bankrolled by none other than Reed Hoffman, who's, you know, like one of those big tech gurus because he started um, LinkedIn, very successful, very successful business, obviously, the, the Facebook of jobs. By the way, I'm on LinkedIn. You can follow me there. I get a lot of, like 400 some odd followers. Amazing. Um, so, so he's a successful guy. He's getting a lot of money. And so he's using it to help this woman in her charges against Trump. And in doing so, he's helping to fuel this machine that's going after Trump one after another. I was looking at the schedule and I was like, I was like dizzy by it. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it because every other day, it seems like at least in the month of January going into March, uh, leading up to the biggie, right? Jack Smith's case, March 4th, mark calendar for that one. It's like they just crammed it all into this election year. And the thinking, you understand the thinking on this, it's a strategy and you have to look at that strategy because they figure, okay, he's the guy who's going to win. So what is their strategy? Oh, well, we'll just, 
we'll tie him up in all these court cases. And then the public will realize, oh, we don't want this guy as president because he's a criminal or he's this or he's that or he's back in court. And what they, they don't fundamentally get is that the American people, including those in the middle, look at this and go, hmm, you know, they really haven't gotten him on anything, and yet they keep dragging his you-know-what back into court. Maybe that's an example of government gone wild. You think? I mean, I think. I think, I mean, we've been through this. I mean, even when he was in the White House, right? We've been through this. He was impeached twice, for goodness sakes. And yet, where are we on the Hunter Biden and possibly what Pops did for a particular client in Ukraine? Those are serious allegations, and we really don't seem to be anywhere on those, but no, they managed to get Trump twice, in addition to multiple members of Congress saying, not my president, not my president, former president of the United States, Jimmy Carter saying he's illegitimate. Because he won with the help of the Russians. I mean, do they think we forget these things? They must. They must. Because they don't understand the American people, period. They don't understand us. And what they've effectively done by going after Donald Trump so, so much is they've helped secure his position at the top of the GOP ticket. Now, you might say, well, is this deliberate? Is this what they wanted? After all, it is what they wanted back in 2016. Hillary Clinton really wanted Donald Trump to win. She thought, if I can just run against Donald Trump, then I'll win. <laughs> that, that, that didn't work out so well, right? And so now you look at it and you say, okay, is this, is what they're, is this their playbook again? Do they just want to run against Trump? Because they figure... They can, they can just make Joe Biden into the nice guy. Here's the problem with that. You know what? Joe Biden, I hear, is not all that nice a guy. I also hear and know that his policy is just plain lousy. And you know what? Don't take my word for it. Look at where we are in inflation today. We still have inflation to the point where the Federal Reserve is not going to be able to actually cut rates like it had hoped to do, right? They want to cut rates going into an election because then the White House is all happy, nobody's mad. They may have to hike at that point, this point. Not that they would. But the economy's a mess. You get a border situation out of control. We don't have the January numbers yet, but December, month of December, most ever number of people trying to come into this country, more than 300,000. Those are just the people that were actually apprehended. On top of that, you've got the optics of a school in New York. I know it was for only a day. But it doesn't matter. The optics of American school children filing out of a school in Brooklyn while a mother is crying and screaming as migrants undocumented here illegally file in. That's not a good look, okay? Like, I'm just going to tell you, like, I've been in television long enough to know that you don't want that video on TV if you're Joe Biden. And yet this is what's happening, okay? So it's resonating with people. I'm sorry, you can't get around it. You can't get around it. In fact, this is why reality is catching up, catching up. Jamie Dimon, I played something for you guys the other day. I, I'm, he said it again. Does Jamie know something we don't? <laughs> is Jamie hedging his bets? Jamie's a smart guy. I, I met him years ago, of course, because you know this is, this is my world, right? And, and I've covered finance for so long. And he was recently on with Maria Bartiromo, 
my friend and former colleague over on Fox, and he basically said, look, it's, it's a little weird that the Democrats are trying to disparage and discredit half the country. And then he took a little hop, skip, and a jump over to Davos, Switzerland. That's where they're all gathering right now for the World Economic Forum. I'm going to bring you some highlights. Jamie Dimon's over at WEF, World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. And so everybody's outside with their heaters around them and their fancy puffy coats. And a lot of them go on CNBC and Bloomberg and, you know, Fox Business. I think Fox is there. I'm not positive this year. But anyway, he goes on CNBC and he says this. And by the way, you got to look at the reporters because they're like, seriously? And now it's making the rounds on social media and people are like, seriously? Did the head of America's largest bank, which, by the way, just killed it last quarter, mega profits. <laughs> did he really say this? You bet he did. Watch. We've got this great hand, but when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump, and they think they're voting, and they're basically scapegoating them, that you are like him. Uh, and, but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. And if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He was kind of right about NATO. Kind of right about immigration. Mm-hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, Trade, China ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Mm-hmm. He was right about some of China. I don't, th- I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. He, yeah. he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should, have, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's, I, I agree. It's done quite and, you know, the it. Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, but, hugging onto their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really, like, can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? Jimmy, and, and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this, this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. Thank you, Jamie Dimon. That took a lot of courage, you guys. I'm telling you, it took a lot of courage for him to say that. I mean, he's got courage. I, I have uh, always thought pretty highly of him. He, he's, a, he's a pretty stand-up guy, and I think he has his finger on the pulse of America as well, similar in some ways to Donald Trump. But nonetheless, that took some guts, and he's going to get a lot of pushback, a lot you know why? Remember, like, the last guy that went on CNBC and said, hey, you know, Donald Trump, his policies aren't all that bad. I think he's kind of good. I remember Kevin Plank doing that. Kevin was the CEO of Under Armour. I've known him for years. Great guy. Started as a little tiny small business, you know, like in his parents' garage, and grew it into Under Armour to rival Nike. And you know what? Kevin went down hard because the left was like, don't you dare. So now the question is, what do they do to Jamie? I mean, I don't think Jamie will suffer the same fate because he has a little bit of a different clientele, so to speak. I mean, Under Armour is a little different. It's in the sports world, and it's very, very woke over there in the sports world. And Nike was like, ha-ha, you know, we got you. We got you now. Jamie Diamond's just talking common sense. It's been my point all along. Like, at some point, you got to think about the country you're in the economy you have, how do you grow it? By the way, for everyone, let's, let's make the pie bigger for everyone, but most especially for the people that are here. And you can't do, it, do that by just 
opening up the floodgates and saying, hey, come one, come all, and we're going to give you free this, free that, free this, free that, and then have no idea who's here, at some point, to quote Margaret Thatcher, you run out of other people's money. And inherently, that is the problem with socialism, which our friend from Argentina, that would be Javier Millet, completely, totally understands because he's lived it. He's he's breathing it. He's trying to change it. I got to show you this because another little highlight, shall we say, from the World Economic Forum was this guy who's the new president of Argentina. And by the way, he's got a ton of personality. You don't really see it in this particular clip because it's Davos and he's kind of keeping it in check. But I mean, he's, he's had some wild moments. He's over in Davos and this is wild. And he looks at the entire crowd. Remember, he's come from a socialist background, right? Like the Perones that ran Argentina, the Perones. Think, think of a, don't cry for me, Argentina. That would be uh, Evita. Andrew Lloyd Webber, I think. <laughs> anyway, they had a lot of socialism there. It was a disaster. They had massive inflation. It got to the point in the last election where people were like, okay, anything but. And they bring in this guy who's like an uber capitalist, a little bit libertarian. And he goes to Davos and he tells all these swanky people that socialism doesn't work. It just doesn't work because, you know, you may have good intentions and you may want to be part of the right club or the right clique, right? Because then you get the right friends because everybody thinks it's cool to think about just giving away money that you don't have. Well, Javier Millet says this to this room of people and it's just great. I mean, it's in Spanish and it's translated, so it's not quite the same as Jamie Dimon, but it's pretty darn good because he's like, you idiots, everybody's tried it. It doesn't work. Watch. Good afternoon. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. Hoy estoy Today, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points. It's true. I mean, Argentina is so bad. It's so bad that, like, you know, you'd have to, like, go in and check the menu prices every single day just quite recently, right? Because they have to keep changing them and changing them and changing them because the price keeps going up and up and up and up. I mean, what do you do when you have runaway inflation? And by the way, the U.S. has invested in this whole thing, right? Because the U.S. owns a lot of Argentine debt. We're the ones that restructured it back in, what, the 80s with the Brady Bonds? And then again, like, they got to get their act together. Like, we all need them to get their act together. But the answer is not, as he's telling the world, the answer is not collectivism. It's not socialism. You may think it's cool. You may think you're in with the in crowd. You may think it's the nice thing to do. Whatever you think, don't think it. It's wrong. 
And you know what? Argentina's tried it. And so has Venezuela, for that matter. And so has Cuba, for that matter. And so has a whole host of other countries down in Latin America and in South America, our hemisphere. It doesn't work. It doesn't work anywhere. It didn't work in the USSR. It, it, it didn't work in Vietnam. It didn't work in Cambodia. It doesn't work, okay, ladies and gentlemen? Because you cannot ignore human instinct. And human instinct means that somebody wants to get ahead. Even the leaders at Black Lives Matter that tell you they're Marxists, they're communists, and they're going to you know, redistribute your wealth to themselves. Okay, that's what Javier gets. So I'm kind of loving this year's Davos. I'm loving it because somebody's speaking truth to power. And it needs, so desperately, desperately, desperately needs to be done. About time, right? Go, Jamie. Go, Javier. Go, Donald Trump. Keep speaking truth. Go you guys. If you're here, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. I think we've been throwing the subscribe button up there. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like. Make sure you share. We have a lot to cover today. I have a feeling that the view is on its last leg. See, we're seeing this shift. You're seeing it with the nation's largest bank chief coming out and giving some kudos to Trump and his policies and to those who voted for him or are supporting him. 75 million people, half the country, you're seeing it there. You're seeing it in the polls. You're seeing that if this presidential race was held today, there's no way Joe Biden would win. No way at all. And so the Democrats are flipping out. They're freaking out. And now they're taking it all the way to the view. But I actually think that the view is on its last legs, too, for a variety of reasons, which we'll get into momentarily. But first off, Look at how desperate the left is. It goes on to The View and uses Kamala and Joy Behar to try and present anybody who thinks differently than them as crazy. Here she is. And what are you going to do to stop the crazies? I am scared as heck. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I'm traveling our country. You know, there's an old saying that there are only two ways to run for office, either without an opponent or scared. So on all of those points, yes, we should all be scared. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you're scared because you're not going to win, lady. You're scared because you're going to be out of a job and everybody's going to recognize that there's not a whole lot, this is my opinion, <laughs> upstairs. There's not a whole lot of there there. Didn't you promise to solve the border crisis? Actually, wasn't that on your plate, Kamala Harris? Whatever happened to that one? Root causes, root causes, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in until nobody can take it anymore. But as annoying as the view is, I just want to point out one thing. This is my theory. You know, like I have a few predictions on 2024. One of my predictions is that Disney is going to sell ABC. ABC owns the view. And so that means when a new owner comes in, they're going to look at all these deals, right? With all the top talent, if you can call them top talent, I'm assuming that they are more heavily compensated than some of the uh, minions elsewhere within the ABC network. So let's go with that for a second. Assuming that the view ladies get more money than some of the other people. If I'm the 
new owner that comes in, and there will be a new owner. Bob Iger said as much last summer that he is trying to sell all these assets. And according to my reporting, one of the suitors that they have talked to is actually Nextar. Whether or not that deal happens, we'll see. But whether it's Nextar or whether it's a private equity company that's cutting corners and, you know, trimming costs and looking for dimes and pennies in the, in the couch cushions, that means those big salary days are over. Which hopefully means you won't have to watch that show anymore. That, that's where I'm going, right? I don't think that, or if you do have to watch it, it may be a different kind of show, a show that hopefully doesn't have such egregious commentary from the likes of Whoopi and Joy. I mean, did they always, were they always like that? Like, did, did Ted Danson have to, to deal with that <laughs> back in the day? I don't know. What's happened to them or why they're like that? But it's that... TDS on steroids, I guess. You know what TDS is, right? Trump derangement syndrome. And they got a lot of it in the halls of ABC, ABC News, and at The View. And at Disney overall. Again, Disney used to be a great company. Like, that was like just a stock that you would own and hold forever, right? Well, if you owned it, from the time of 2021 until now, you're regretting that big time because you've lost a lot of money. In fact, the stock price has been like basically cut in half. I mean, it was trading up around 200, now it's around 100, and people are getting anxious, investors are getting anxious. Nelson Peltz was trying to make a move on the board. He's a big deal investor. One of his kids is actually married to Victoria Beckham and David Beckham's son. So his, his daughter, Nikolai, I believe, is married. So yeah, frame a reference if it's worth it. But anyway, Nelson's like a billionaire. And he goes in and he finds companies that he thinks just kind of have bad management and aren't doing things right. And he says, hey, guys, you know what? Do X, Y, and Z, and then your stock price will go up. But Bob Iger's back in the seat there at Disney, and he doesn't want to be told to do X, Y, and Z. Certainly not by Nelson Peltz, who I believe is a conservative, by the way. And so they're, they're kind of on this standoff, and Nelson's trying to get board members in. It didn't go through, and so he's kind of, you know, he's rattling cages, but he's having a hard time turning things around at Disney. Hard time. Why? Because guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, everybody who works at Disney has one frame of mind. I love how they talk about diversity, diversity, diversity. We need more diversity. I don't disagree with that. Diversity is great as long as you have real diversity. And when I say real diversity, I mean people who think differently. You know, it's, it's one thing to look different, but do you think different? <laughs> I guarantee you they don't. Like, everybody thinks the same. They're all drinking the same darn Kool-Aid. So it doesn't matter. You may physically look very different from each other. You may even come from different places and have different backgrounds. But if you all subscribe to the same kind of woke ideology, what good does it do you? The whole point of diversity is to introduce new ideas and new ways of thinking. If you're not willing to hear those new ways of thinking, and you're like, boom, you, you call someone crazy, as the ladies at The View just called any Trump supporter, 75 million people who voted for him, crazy, then guess what? You, you won't allow diversity to flourish. You got to be able to have a, a fair and honest exchange of ideas. You also have to recognize that you got to pay the bills. And so in a capitalist society, you know what? Earnings still matter which means you can't have the last, what, three out of four movies be flops 
you can't have $1.5 billion in streaming losses because nobody wants to have Disney Plus. They're like cutting the cord left, right, and center. You got to actually create stuff that people want to see. Like, isn't that part of the entertainment business? Like, right? Like, you know, you, you produce a Broadway show and you sell tickets. <laughs> tickets. You sell them. All right? This is a business. We are still a capitalist country. I hope we stay that way. Clearly, the president of Argentina is worried that we won't. And he's seen that movie before. So, Disney, remember that your job is to make money. And in order to make money, you have to create products that people actually want to see. I mean, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, AB InBev, they kind of learned that one the hard way, didn't they? Another company that's learning it the hard way hurts. Hurts. The car rental company, I'm watching their stock price right now, and it's down around $8.35, $8.28. It had been up around nine thirty-five, so it's lost a fair amount there. And it's because, well, we, we just learned that they're going to have to take a big write-off, like a 200 and some million dollar investment that they had made in EVs. You see this? Check out this article right here. This is courtesy of the New York Post. Hertz is selling off its entire EV fleet in this, like, shocking U-turn, right? Because Tom Brady was like the face of this thing. I mean, who didn't want to drive a Tom Brady car from Hertz? It's good enough for Tom Brady. Might as well be good enough for, I mean, he made all these commercials. Here's one of them you're looking at. So they got all these EVs, a lot of them. Um, in fact, so many that they, they said that they were ordering 100,000 Tesla vehicles by the end of 2022, that didn't really happen, but nonetheless, they still, they still had a lot. And they had Tom Brady and all those commercials starting in 2021, and I'm sure he didn't come cheap. Nonetheless, they're selling 20,000 of them, 20,000 of these babies, because they need gas-powered cars. Now, why would that be? Hmm. It seems that even though Tom Brady is the spokesperson for all this, it seems that when people are on the road and they're traveling and maybe they don't know where they are or where they're going and therefore might be more apprehensive about finding gas, they tend not to rent the EV. Now, I got nothing against EVs. By the way, I love them. I drove a Tesla the other day just for fun to, like, check it out. I was looking for a new car, and I actually wound up going with a gas one um, for a variety of reasons, which we can talk about another time. But I, I say this because, one, you know how much I love Elon Musk. That's what Jamie Dimon was doing, right? He was channeling Elon Musk earlier with those comments at Davos. <laughs> I like Elon Musk. I believe in what he's doing. I think it's great that he has almost single-handedly tried to change this entire car industry. And he's gotten absolutely no thanks from the Democrats for it. You know that. So I have nothing against it. In fact, this is going to hurt Tesla, really, because Hertz was making this giant investment. But no, they're selling them off. 20,000 EVs that they are selling from their fleet so that they can buy more gas-powered cars, because it turns out that people don't want them. So again, like, this isn't rocket science. This has nothing to do with the environment. We can shelve that whole discussion for a while. This is pure and simple. Give the customer what the customer wants or suffer the consequences. 
And so Hertz is figuring this out. I realize again, like it's so cool. It's so neat to be in with the in crowd and everybody's saying you should do this. And because of something called ESG, environmental social governance, which is big, 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 big deal on Wall Street, right? And everybody's buying into this Larry Fink who controls BlackRock. BlackRock, I mean, it controls somewhere around, I don't want to say like eight to $10 trillion worth of assets. I mean, that's a lot of assets considering that the GDP of the U.S. economy is somewhere around 2021. I mean, that's a lot of assets, the biggest asset manager in the world. And Larry Fink took this on. He's like, oh, this will be great. You know, we can pair capitalism with these altruistic things that we can do for, for the environment via ESG. Only problem is you got to make money. All right. Like, again, you got to make money. Like, I'm all for doing the right thing and making money. And, and there are ways to do that. But there is this thing called the invisible hand. I'm going to go back to Adam Smith. You know, let, let's do a little econ 101. The market dictates what people really want. And yes, government can have an influence on that in a positive or negative way, but they're not going to reinvent the wheel. In other words, if suddenly we lost all oil and gas tomorrow, I guarantee you, we'd figure it out. I mean, what do you think we did during 2020? The fact that I can broadcast to you right now, I mean, think about the streaming industry, et cetera, all of this technology kind of just came right up during those dark days of 2020 when people learned to Zoom with one another. Suddenly you didn't have to get on a plane and travel to Timbuktu to see your colleagues anymore. You could do it via Zoom. I mean, so much has changed. Why? Because human beings are resilient. And if you have the right system in place that rewards that resilience and rewards what the market wants, then guess what? It all kind of works out, which is why Hertz kind of made a mistake, but they are smart to course correct. How's that for a little pun on words, right? A little course correction from Hertz. They're going to incur a $245 million charge. Can you believe that? Incremental net depreciation expense related to this move, according to the company. And the costs are going to be reflected in the fiscal fourth quarter of 2023. Hmm. Speaking of Tom Brady, do you guys like Tom Brady? A lot of people in New England really, really like Tom Brady. He was on the Patriots and everything, and... The Patriots are losing their coach, Bill Belichick, who's like a big, big, big deal. Very synonymous with the Patriots in Boston. You know, people are, you know, he's he's, he's losing his job. He's he's exiting. I I think it's mutual. And you get a new coach, Jared Mayo, who's going to be taking over there in Boston. Big deal story. Well, it caught my eye, not just because I'm from New England originally and and from the New Hampshire area. See, I'm I'm from New Hampshire. I was going to say from the Boston area because we don't really have any sports teams in New Hampshire. (laughs) We're we're a little tiny, tiny, tiny little state, but we identify with the Celtics and the Patriots and all this. So he's a big deal. Belichick was considered really, 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 really great coach. And now he's being replaced, as I said, by Jared Mayo. And one of the former players at the Patriots, like, He's not taking this so well, I guess. So he decided to to write a song. I don't know if he like wrote it down or just made it up on the fly and sing it into, I think, his cell phone and maybe put this out on social media. And um, it's a little jarring when you see it, but don't worry, he's he's fully clothed. <laughs> I previewed it for you. I'm not going to do that to you. So um, his name is Chandler Jones. 
And he's really, really upset. So he wrote this ode to Belichick. And it's really funny. So I'm going to play it for you. Watch. Belichick. Oh, how I miss you. I just want to kiss you. They just got rid of you. Oh, Bill Belichick. You didn't flatten that ball. It was Tom Brady. You didn't spy gate. You didn't deflate gate. He's insane. So what so fire. Oh, what a simpler time it was, right? When we were just talking about deflate gate all the time. Remember I remember that. I was back at Bloomberg Television at the time and that was the big debate. Like, we talked about it all the time, on the air, off the air. Did Tom Brady deflate the bombs? I mean, it feels like an innocent time, does it not, ladies and gentlemen? Now we're talking about all kinds of other things. And you get a president who was just told he could forfeit his trial there by the judge. I, I, I mean, wow. So it, it takes us back, a little walk down memory lane. Curious, what do you think? Did he? Did he not? Do we care? I think we do care. We do care because, you know, it's cheating. and We don't like cheating. I have to be careful because, you know, for any of my Patriots fans out there, I realize that this is kind of, you know, very special, special territory. Anyway, it, it was a different time. It was an error. Belichick, he's gone. New coach there for the Boston Patriots. And hopefully he won't be deflating any balls. Speaking of sort of Americana and football and all these things, we have a new Miss America, ladies and gentlemen. And she's a woman. <laughs> Born a woman. I can't believe I have to say that now, but I do. You know what? I competed in this thing many, many, many years ago. And uh, I, I was Miss New Hampshire and went on to Miss America pageant where I won the talent competition, including a special, special award for... Uh, the contestant with the most promise in the performing arts. You see, I wanted to be a singer, an opera singer. And it was given out by the widow of the man who wrote the theme song, There She Is, Miss America. So it was lovely. It was very nice to get. I won a ton of money. And it was really helpful for me in terms of paying for my school. I still had to take out student loans. But you know what? The Miss America scholarship went very much uh, in a big way towards helping me make a dent in those things. So I, uh, I have a special allegiance to the pageant. I, I, I think that they are troubled in some ways, and I'd like to help them see through that. I think they're getting there. I think they're getting there. You know, last year I judged it, and I uh, was instrumental in selecting a wonderful young woman from the University of Wisconsin who was studying nuclear engineering. And regardless of what you think about nuclear engineering, I mean, this girl had me when she walked in the room and she said, look, if we really want to have clean energy, then we have to have a serious discussion about nuclear. And again, you know me. I like people who are willing to take a stand, like Jamie Dimon in Davos, like Javier Millet in Davos, president of Argentina, or like Miss America saying, you know what? You guys want to talk about green energy? Great. 
let's talk nuclear. So she was a nuclear physicist. I mean, wow, right? And she was a talented violinist. And I was very proud to have a hand in selecting her. Well, they just got a new Miss America. And this one's great too. She's wonderful. I mean, this woman, wow, like, like she does it all. I mean, she really does live up to the name Miss America, right? Because she is a Harvard graduate <clears throat> and a fighter pilot. There she is, crown and everything that just happened the other night. There's the whole court. You know, a lot of people have a problem with this. I can tell you there. So there's Grace. There's Grace, who I had a big hand in, in selecting. Maybe she's putting the crown on the new one. This is the new girl. And uh, last name is Marsh. And I'm really, really happy for her because... And I'm happy for the pageant, and I'm happy for young women everywhere. I'm going to tell you, in judging this myself, I was blown away. I was blown away by the talent of these young women. I mean, incredible, not just like whether they were musically talented, but just intellectually talented, their accomplishments. A lot of them had started foundations. I mean, it just blew me away. I'm like, what was I doing when I was 19? A whole different ball game right now. Like, they're way more talented. They're actually, I mean... I think, I don't know why, you know, what's going on? Like what's, what's in the water? That's what I was thinking as I was interviewing them because one after another just blew me away. They're all so, so, so incredible. One woman, I don't want to get this wrong, but I mean, she was like a Goldman Sachs analyst in asset management, an economics major, an amazing classical pianist. She spoke fluent Mandarin. I'm like, oh, I'm getting dizzy, okay? And they're all beautiful. So it's nice to see sort of a return to roots. The Miss America pageant was created, actually, it was just, it's capitalism because they, they wanted to keep some people in Atlantic City for an extra week after Labor Day at the boardwalk. And so they're like, how can we do this? Oh, we'll come up with a pageant, bathing beauties. Everybody will come and like, they'll stick around. And they did. And so that became a tradition for many, many, many years. At one point, there was a little splinter. There's a little inside trivia knowledge for you guys the Miss Universe, the Miss USA pageant started because there was a Miss America who was an opera singer who said, you know, I don't really think I should go around in a swimsuit at every single appearance. Can we like maybe just put me in a dress? And they're like, no, 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 we can't because our sponsor is a swimsuit company, Catalina. So they took the uh, pageant, the, the sponsorship, Catalina did, and they said, we're going to create our own. We'll create Miss USA and we'll create Miss Universe. And so you know the story there. It was actually bought by somebody who identifies as female, let me make sure I get this right, identifies as female, but was born as a male, has been very successful, I think as a reality star in Singapore. And so this person bought the Miss Universe, and I guess the whole Miss USA system. And now, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, interesting things happening over there. Good news, Miss Universe is still female. And Miss America, I can guarantee you, she's always going to be female. When I signed my contract, I, I like nearly fell over laughing. I'm like, seriously, these people were ahead of their time. I had to sign a clause that said I had been born female. Not only did I have to sign a clause saying that, I had to actually, I had to actually, it was really, really funny. I had to not just sign that clause, but actually provide documentation, mm -hmm. birth certificate, with a big giant F on it for female. <laughs> like I said, ahead of their time. This was like 30 years ago. Wow. Anyway, so we have a new Miss America. It's great news. I am really excited for her. She gave a, a brief little speech. And um, what a story. I mean, what a story. Her mother died very, very young. She's clearly a very driven young woman with the fighter pilot thing and Harvard. But let's listen to her. 
My purpose today is to be a voice for my mom. I lost her on November 1st, 2018 to pancreatic cancer when she was only 41 years old. I really struggled to find happiness, so the first step that I took was starting the Whitney Marsh Foundation. That first step in the past five years have prepared me for today, to share the life and the joy of my mom, to hopefully become the first ever military member crowned Miss America, and to provide hope for the pancreatic cancer and the American Heart Association communities. I'd be honored to serve as Miss America and Secretary. I mean, this is just fantastic. And, you know, it's great to see a military member. By the way, remember they used to do the USO tours? This is going to be like USO tours on steroids. I'm seeing a good opportunity for the Miss America pageant. Get on those USO tours. Play up the military. Let's bring back some patriotism, for goodness sakes, ladies and gentlemen. Let's bring back some of those values that have made us who we are. I don't get why we just want to ignore it all. It's really wrong. It's really wrong, and, and yet this is, this is their MO. This is what they're doing, and they're going to continue doing it over and over and over again. That is unless Donald Trump has anything to say about it. Donald Trump, giving a nice little plug for Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I'm telling you is going places. This wasn't his time. He's too young. He needs to kind of just take a deep breath. Be a little more self-deprecating. I think just kind of have that 60,000-foot view of the world, but he'll get there. I really think that. I like Vivek because he's his own man. I like him because he's not beholden to big money. I like him because he spotted this ESG thing way back when I did and was willing to go out on a limb and talk about it. He's got an amazing future. By the way, I like him because he's part of that American dream. For goodness sakes, his parents came here from India. He was born here, excelled at school, excelled in business, is a self-made individual, and has tried to give back via politics. And so, no, he didn't make it to the finish line, but gosh, he certainly made a name for himself, and I, I could see him having a heck of a future. And so can Donald Trump. Here's Donald Trump uh, talking to the crowd and then Vivek getting a huge applause from everyone. Watch it here. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that's how was that? Pretty good, right? That was pretty good, and he's a fantastic guy, and he's really, uh, he's got something that's uh, very special, because he started off with a Zippo, and he's got, he ended up very strong. He did a great job. I was actually surprised when he called, because he was doing well, and uh, it's an honor to have his endorsement. He's going to be working with us, and he'll be working with us for a long time. That's pretty good stuff, I think. I mean, really, really good stuff, and... I think that Trump uh, likes him better, just like he likes Christy better now, and Nikki Haley and everybody else. <laughs> Vivek is, is going places, mind you. Maybe, maybe he'll even get a position in the cabinet. All that said, I kind of put my money on Jamie Dimon for Treasury Secretary. What do you think? After some of the things that we've been hearing lately, I want to go back to Davos, Switzerland right now. This is the big shindig. This is where all the elites gather. Oh, my gosh. I had to listen to John Kerry this morning. Our former climates are. Wow. You know what? Not easy listening to him. <laughs> he'll, 
he'll put you to sleep. He'll definitely put you to sleep. So John Kerry, and then Blinken's up there, and poor Blinken, he he struggles. I mean, he may, he he's a little uh, he's a little tough to take too. And um, so you know, they're all out there giving their speeches, this, that, and the other. And I'm telling you, when I, I'm not kidding, when I, I say that this is where the elites go together and like set the agenda for the world and think about how they're going to control things, this is where it happens. Except that. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum because you see, we can all talk to one another now. Like information is readily available. And so consequently, whatever's coming out of Davos and they're trying to spoon feed us and like, you know, you're supposed to just like lap it up. Everybody's like, oh, I, don't, I don't really think so. You know, maybe this is a little bit different. Maybe there's, maybe there's some other things some more pressing matters that, that we should think about other than whether or not we are violently murdering fish and and vegetation through what's this new one? I want to make sure I don't get this wrong. Ecocide. This is this is great. So this lady is mad because of all the 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 fish that we that we eat and we farm, and and she's she said it's like it's like murder basically. Um, let let her explain it because I can't do it justice. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known around the world. And the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature. Um, but legally speaking, um, what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognized legally as a serious crime. Because one of the issues that sort of pervades all of this discussion is that we have a kind of cultural, very ingrained habit of not taking damage to nature as seriously as we take damage to people and property. Um, and that, I mean, you know, if you're campaigning for human rights, at least you know mass murder, torture, all of these things are serious crimes. But there's no equivalent in the environmental space. Um, and so, and, and you know, unlike a, an international crime like genocide that in, involves a specific intent, with ecocide what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do is make money, is, you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are... Um, you know, producing energy maybe. and so on um, as maybe well. But what's, it, what's me- maybe people need to eat. Maybe the fish help keep people healthy and fed. Maybe that's what farming and fishing is actually about. I, 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 I'm sorry. Do the, do the plants have feelings? Is this like, I got to get up to speed on something else here. Come on. Like this is just so preposterous and absurd and a waste of everybody's time, and yet they're gonna they're gonna spoon feed it to us again. You know what? Don't say it's not like not gonna come to be because I could have said that about a whole lot of things, including the you know 220 different genders you can be nowadays. I could have said that was crazy and we shouldn't cover it because it was crazy. It is crazy, and we shouldn't have to talk about it. But yet <laughs> we are, we are because. They're trying to normalize it. Well, this is the latest. Like, you're going to normalize this, and somehow it's going to be a crime if you go fishing. Lovely. Lovely. Okay, they'll say, I'm taking this out of context, whatever. Maybe it's just big fisheries because it's the, it's the fact that they want to make money. Right? You, know, you can't want to make money because nothing should be about money. It should all be about just making everybody feel good and helping the underdog in some way, shape, or form. But nobody can make money because if you make money... That's the crime, <laughs> right? Well, can we, can we listen to the Argentina president again? Because he put it well. He said it well. 
Argentina's president, Javier Millet, he gets it. He's been there, done that. Socialism, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't work. You do actually need to have some kind of reason for doing something. You do need capitalist incentives. You do need a reason to make money. Watch them. Good afternoon. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. By the way, he's telling a room full of people, keep this in mind, I'm here that they're all wrong. To tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is in danger because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points. I love it. I love it. I love it. Telling a room full of these Davos elite World Economic Forum think tanky academic types. You got it wrong, guys. You got it all wrong. And I'm proof. I'm from a country where it hasn't worked. And you know what? No, it's never worked. It's never worked anywhere. So why do we keep trying this? Because it's political. That's why. And we're not strong enough for whatever reason to be able to resist this temptation. And that's going to come back to bite us in a massive way, I predict. One of the reasons why... If you haven't already, you ought to call my friends over at Legacy Precious Metals. They've been a sponsor on this show from the very, very beginning. one 589 They are our exclusive gold sponsor, and we are proud to have them here. one 589 You know, um, there's a lot of bad stuff going on right now, a lot of bad stuff in the world in general. You get Donald Trump there in court today. In New York City, where a judge is actually, I mean, I would take that as a threat. How would you take it? When they tell you that you might have to forfeit your trial because you're sighing too much and shifting in your chair too much and rolling your eyes too much when someone gets up on the stand and just shoots you down. So Jean Carroll, she had a pretty sketchy case against Trump to begin with, but she did win the defamation lawsuit. Well, now she's back for round two in the defamation lawsuit. She wants $10 million because he's denied these charges that, that she alleged. And I guess it just got even worse because he's sitting there kind of rolling his eyes and trying to deny him again in the court. And apparently you're not allowed to do that. And she's like, wait a second. Like I've been, I've been assaulted over and over again on social media, et cetera, because, okay, you know, look, Complicated story. I don't even want to get into it other than you know, she had kind of um, a peculiar case. And I would point out that this one is bankrolled by Democrats, including LinkedIn founder Reed Hoffman. So, you know, she's got a lot of bandwidth to keep suing them. And that's what they want to do. They want to sue, 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 sue. But, you know, we, we've got all the, these, these bad things happening in the world right now. And sometimes, sometimes you need a break. Not that much of a break, but, but, you know, a little bit of a break. 
<laughs> and and I encourage you. I, I want to tell you actually about a podcast that I found recently, and I think it's it's terrific. It's a really, really, really good show because I don't have to listen to politics. I don't have to listen to all the crazy things. I I can actually be inspired. And sometimes in this world, especially this particular world in which we now live, you want to be inspired. And there's so much rich history in America. I mean, we, we, we lose sight of this. I, I think it's so critical that we remember who we are, where we came from, because this dictates not only where we are, but where we're going. It helps root us. It helps center us. It brings us back to ground zero to know who we are as Americans, and this show does it. It's called Our American Stories. They're ours, right? They're they're yours, they're mine, they're anybody who believes in America, is American. You can really appreciate the show. I mean, you'll appreciate even if you aren't American, because as I've told you before, the American dream is uniquely ours. Nobody else has it. There's no equivalent in any other culture anywhere. They don't talk about the Canadian dream. No, there's no Brazilian dream or Argentine dream. It is the American dream. And it's, it, it comes to life in this particular podcast, Our American Stories. I want you to go check it out. I want you to also subscribe to this one, the, the full audio podcast, Trish Regan Show and Our American Stories. I, I know you won't regret it. Give me some feedback. Let me know your favorite stories. I mean, I like the Abe Lincoln one, but you know, I'm, I'm such a history buff. I love all of them. I mean, great, 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 great stories in there. And I'm telling you, you're going to be inspired. You're going to come away feeling better and knowing that, you know, anything, anything can be done. You are only limited, as they say, by your imagination. I think Trump gets that. You know, Trump is one of the most optimistic people I've ever met in my life. I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, I do look at glass half full all the time. I remember my dad would say to me when I was a little girl, okay, here's two glasses of milk. You know, or, or a glass of milk. What, what is this? Half full, half empty. Half full, of course, right? Like half full. I'm smiling. I'm happy. I'm ready to, you know, go out there and conquer the world. And it's always half full. And if it's only a quarter full, it's a quarter full. It's not three quarters empty. I don't believe in that. And, you know, clearly he does not either. He's always looking at the sunny side of the street. We saw this. From him, again, I played a little clip of him talking about Vivek, but he noticed, by the way, how the stock market went down in China on the day that he won Iowa. And he's got a theory about why China's stock market went down. He's told us before he thinks we're going up because there's an expectation that he's coming in and that there's going to be more stability in the world. But that would mean, if you would, a disadvantage to China. So listen to Donald Trump explain why the Chinese stock market went down right after he won Iowa. Take a peek. Glass Next Trump four. economic boom will begin on November 5th, 2024. That will be an economic boom. And, you know, the only thing that they have now is a stock market that's going up. And it's only going up because people think we're going to win the election. He's talking about ours right yesterday. I felt very badly for them. China had a crash yesterday in their stock market. You know why? Because I won Iowa. So when people, it's true, they cr- it crashed. <laughs> what do you think? You think that's, all? I mean, it could be. I mean, you heard Jamie Dimon just talking about how good he was on China and how strong he was on China. 
I don't think China really would like to have him back in the hot seat. I think they prefer the situation as it is. I think there's a lot of countries that would not like to see him back there. And so is it the reason why China? I mean, there's, there's some other factors going on there, including just a population problem and, and, a, and a host of other things. But he's glass half full. And I think America is the kind of place where we're always looking at things as glass half full. Again, the American dream, American optimism, these are things that are uniquely American and that make us special and make us great and that we need to continue. We want that optimism. We want a cheerleader. You know what? Some people are like, oh, you know, like, how can you always... Listen, if, if you're not going to cheerlead for yourself and your country, who is? So it's one of the things that I think we need a little bit more of. A little more good stuff. Going out to some of your comments right now. If you have not subscribed to the show, I really hope you do do me that favor. It's great to see you guys. I'm seeing a lot of people. We just started, by the way, like a little club So I see some blue stars. Ian, good to see you back here. I see some blue stars. So I know that uh, you're you're part of the, what are we calling ourselves? The Trish (laughs) Tees? There there was also the suggestion of Reganites. So uh, we we can work on that. But it's just formatted uh, or just took place. Sherry, good to see you here as well. Hello, hello, hello. I love how everybody's like interacting. It really does um, feel kind of neat and special to be able to create a community of people where I think that, you know, we may not think perfectly alike all the time, but I think we have some respect for one another. We have respect for intellectual thought. This is real diversity of thought. This is what this is. You know, they claim to have it over there at all these fancy universities. (laughs) The DEI lady, that was great over Baltimore. I still can't believe that one with her top 10 list of how do you know that you're privileged? She had to pull it down. If you're white, if you are heterosexual, If you are Christian, if you are middle-aged, if you are able-bodied, if you are English-speaking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got every stinking thing on that list except for male. Remember? Naturally born female. (laughs) Anyway, it's just crazy. They're trying to rig the, the deck, so to speak, rig the game with the deck chairs stacked for themselves and for the particular group that they want to see succeed and everybody else be damned effectively. And this is what America is going to push back against. This is like mana from heaven for Donald Trump. I mean, it's like Democrats, come on. Like, can you not figure this out? Can you not play a little bit of chess here? Is it always checkers? I guess it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not rooting for them, but I I just, I, I can't believe the stupidity of it all. Hey, Don, good to see you again. Don Baca is like our, our, our champion. He, he's the cheerleader for this channel because I always forget to tell you to subscribe. So Don's out there doing that for me. Thank you, Don. Leslie, good to see you back here again. Glenn, welcome. Uh, Barry as well. Jessica as well. I mean, we got some interesting stuff going on, you got to admit, right? And the fact that there are so many, so many legal problems right now for Donald Trump, you're like, Okay, is any of this going to stick? Because if it doesn't really stick, what was that all about? An attempt, as he would say, as he would allege, to rig the election? That's what it feels like. It's what it feels like. I mean, I, I think, honestly, they're going to find more. It's just my speculation. Having seen the financial documents I've seen thus far, I think they're going to find a lot more 
on Joe Biden and whatever funny business was going on in the way of foreign lobbying by his son, who never registered as a foreign lobbyist. But nobody's bothering to really check that out. They've been devoting all their resources to going after Donald Trump. And it's going to backfire spectacularly. Who do you think is going to be VP? I want to know. I see somebody talking about Gabbard, Tulsi Gabbard. Do you like Tulsi? Uh, Lots of talk of Tucker as well. Another one of my former colleagues over there at Fox. There is some talk of Vivek. There is some talk of Nikki Haley. Like, could they mend fences and bring Nikki Haley in? Would that sort of placate the powers that be that are terrified that Donald Trump? I mean, if I were... If I were him, I'd be okay, this is terrible to say, but I'd be like a little worried if Nikki Haley were my VP. I'd be checking my food. <laughs> a lot of people would want her to win and be the, you know, top guy. I see Sherry, she's a Vivek fan. Vivek's young though. He's really, really young. I, I mean, I like him too. I think that he's gotta stick around. I'd love to see him get a cabinet position. I'd love to see him do more in politics. I'd love to see him get more seasoned. I think he's got a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant future. I'm also thinking maybe uh, Leslie's a never Nikki. Who coined that phrase just the other day? Somebody came out with that. Oh, wow. Uh, this, this was just the other day. Somebody came out with never Nikki. Um, it, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Oh, oh it's Paul. It was, it was Rand Paul. Rand Paul said never. And I was like, oh, that was kind of clever of him, right? <laughs> anyway, Alphonse, good to see you as well. Good to have you back. Trump values loyalty. Alphonse is making this point, whereas, uh, you know, that because that's such a priority, he doesn't think that Nikki's actually going to get in there. And uh, you could be right. I mean, how about some names that we haven't talked about? What about, I'm just throwing it out there because nobody said it, and it just kind of came to mind, Ted Cruz? What do you think? I mean, I guess... I mean, I hate to, to check all these boxes. I think he ought to go with a white man, just to spite everyone. Everybody's like, okay, well, he's got to go with a woman. He's got to go with a minority, whatever. Just go with the best person, thank you very much. I, like, I, I would hope that we as a country have gotten to the point where we can just actually recognize talent for talent as opposed to whether they check, check off a whole series of boxes. Some of you guys are saying Lake, Carrie Lake. Well, that's interesting, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that Carrie Lake is a huge personality and Donald Trump is a huge personality. It's partly why I look at the Tucker thing and think, ah, you know, I'm not so sure that's going to work. When Mike Pence, and I know a lot of you don't really like Mike Pence these days, but when Mike Pence was first on the scene, I was like, this is the guy. He's going to get it. Donald Trump is going to pick him because you know what? Like he can stand up there and look pretty. (laughs) And say nice things and never be out of line and this, that, and the other. And he'll do the job, right? Like you just need somebody to kind of just do the job and be there waiting in the wings just in case. But you don't want somebody who's going to suck all the oxygen out of of the room because that's what Donald Trump does. So how do you put another quote-unquote performer, and Kerry is a performer, as is Tucker, how do you put these huge personalities up on stage with Donald Trump. I mean, think about it historically. Everybody who's been a kind of decent VP, they're kind of, uh, you know, sort of milk toast. That's why a lot of them don't really make it. They're often just one-term presidents. That's what I think this one's going to be, the former VP, if he even makes it that far. Because I'll tell you this, Michelle Obama, I think she's waiting in the wings, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, she is out there telling us how worried she is. She can't sleep at night. And 
A J.P. Morgan analyst recently made a prediction saying that he thinks Biden's not going to run. The Democrats can't run him because these poll numbers are so incredibly, incredibly bad. So he's going to back out because of, quote, health reasons. And who's there to take over, do you think? Let's hear from Michelle Obama herself. The things that yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them mm-hmm. and you wonder where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter, who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit. It affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. Well, they must take it for granted, because if you look at the exit polling out of Iowa, guess what? The majority of people said they care most, not about somebody's temperament and how they act up there on stage. They care most about whether someone is going to fight for them. That's who they want to elect. Someone who cares about them, understands their predicament, and is going to work hard to change it and make things better. It's not that, not that hard to figure out, you know, with all her degrees and this, that, and the other. With all their degrees. I mean, it's amazing. You consider all the academics surrounding them, and nobody can figure this out. Hey, guys, do me the favor. I know you figured it out. Make sure that you subscribe to this channel. I'm here live every day. I would so appreciate it if you would also go over to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Go there. You're going to go there anyway because you got to go check out Our American Stories, right? My friend's podcast, which is fantastic. So you're going to go there and you're going to also click off, subscribe, download, put the automatic download on it. would be really great for the Trish Regan show. We have so much ground to cover. And I'm telling you, it's wild now, but it's going to get even crazier. So help me. We're going to weather the storm out together. I will see you right back here tomorrow. Thank you so much.